turn your Bibles with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. I will begin reading from verse 6. Please follow me. This would be our exposition this morning. We have already did verses 1 to 6. We will continue down to verse 17. But let me read the context, beginning at verse 6. I am reading from the New King James Version. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts, you and me. This is God's word. Amen. Today I want to speak about a true confession of faith. I take my text from verse 16. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. There were many confessions made in Scripture. Some were real and some were not. There are many confessions made today as well, but many do not worth two cents. Here we read of a true confession by one who was a stranger to grace. A stranger, not a covenant person. A stranger to grace. Our first message concluded with the turning point in the lives of Naomi and Ruth. Here in the second part of the chapter, Naomi is faced with a dilemma. You know, what is a dilemma? A hard decision one has to make. We say today one that is between a rock and a hard place. 
Naomi became the victim of Elimelech's choice to leave the house of bread for what turned out to be a moral and a spiritual disaster. It's a true story. Now she is saddled with two mobile widows destined for Bethlehem. It's a no-brainer. She doesn't want to take them. God has other plans. However, in the narrative, we must remember that there are no disappointments with God. Brethren, as I look at Rosie, remember there are no disappointments with God. The book of Romans says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. He suffered. We suffer too. Naomi faces a dilemma. She is returning to Bethlehem, Judah, as a covenant woman and has a choice between two difficult decisions. To send Ruth and Orpah packing or to take them to Bethlehem. Now, you know, Naomi, as a widow herself, is in no position to provide for herself far less two foreigners. This is the history that is before us that we are looking at. She doesn't want to return to Bethlehem with two Moabitish widows. This, of course, is carnal thinking. It is wrong to think this way. There are two ways we can look at the historical narrative. One, from a moral perspective. Second, from a gospel perspective, which I would be looking at mostly. First, in the moral, we see the human rationale. Verse 7 through 9. Naomi is reasoning from a logical perspective based on her personal belief. This is what human rationale does. But the only problem is that we cannot rationalize when it comes to God. The Lord is not rational. He's not logical. His word is not logical. God says the way up, we must humble ourselves. He said the way to live is to die. He, saw, he said the way to get is to give. He says the one who mourn will be comforted. God is not logical. And some of us want to make God logical. God's ways does not make sense. In way, and in fact, the Bible says his ways are past finding out doesn't make sense to our thinking. And this is what we see from the perspective of Naomi. As good as she may have been, she is human, just like you and me. And because she is, she is seeing things from a human perspective. And I wish some people in the church would be given the mind of Christ. Verse 7 and 8, Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way, notice, they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. This was the way out for Naomi's dilemma. You know, sometimes we get ourselves in a jam. We commit sin, 
and we want to get out. And we can commit another sin and get out of that sin. But Naomi is seeking to get out by sending the two widows back to Moab. What she is doing seems logical. But what she is doing is not morally or spiritually right. And I must tell you that. Why? God made a way for people like Ruth and Orpah in the law in Deuteronomy 23. Let me read it to you, verse 15 and 16. You shall not deliver unto his master the servant which is escaped from his master unto thee. He shall dwell with thee, even among you, in the place which he shall choose in one of your gates, where it like of him best, thou shalt not oppress him. Deuteronomy 23, 15 and 16. Ruth and Orpah were Moabites. They were outsiders. They had no covenant relationship with God. They were subject to a spiritual master, Satan. That was their master. They were children of wrath, even as others, just like we. But God's, in his providence, they found refuge in Naomi's home. Naomi didn't send, tell her sons to go and get married to these heathen women. But they were her daughter-in-laws. They were widows of her sons. Terrible thing she's doing in the moral setting. Naomi Though she may have considered one part of the law in Deuteronomy 23, that a Moabite shall not enter the congregation of the Lord, she forget the other part where grace shines through the law. This is how we, we are. We cling to the law, but we forget grace. And we must be careful morally. She forgot, you shall not deliver unto his master the servant which is escaped from his master unto thee. He shall dwell with thee even among you in the place which he shall choose in one of thy gates. You remember Paul had um, Onesimus with him, a slave. And Paul says, look, I will keep him for myself. But out of love, I send him back to you, his master. When the Lord save us, he don't send us back to our master, but some of us have some ways of finding our master in this church. God is love. Second, in Naomi's rationale, she throws up a prayer, verse 9. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of our husband. That is ludicrous. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense what she's doing. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voice and wept. Let me tell you something. Before you can pray for somebody, you should do the right thing. That's why I said some people, you shouldn't pray here. You shouldn't get me and pray for this church. I mean what I say. You should do the right thing. Prayer is never a substitute for our actions, what we're supposed to do. James tells us, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warm, and be filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? 
Naomi said to the two widows, what? Many said, Lord bless you. I'll pray for you. How is Ruth and Orpah going to find rest in a land where there's no rest? I, I want to know. In principle, she's sending them back to the Moabitish gods. And we need to look carefully at ourselves in this church. Do you rationalize when it comes to God's word? Do you say, I can't do this, I can't do this, I live too far? Do you say, you can't when the Lord tells us what to do with our time? Do you rationalize? Oh, I went this morning. Do you rationalize? You get where I'm coming from. Yes, you do. Do you rationalize when it comes to your body? That's the temple of God? Yes, you do. This is my body. I can do what I want. That's what I'm talking about. Do you limit the hand of God when it comes to salvation of a soul in this church that you fail to speak to? You know what they're doing. You see their inconsistency, but you rationalize. Oh, they'll get upset with me. Well, join the club. This is our first head. Human rationale. Man's way of thinking. Second, we see an outward commitment. An outward commitment, verses 10 through 14. Verse 10 said, and they said to her, having rationalized, having drove a hard bargain, now the girls speak. Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Now this is an outward commitment by the two parties to Naomi. We will return with you unto your people. Now the church is similar today. We all have made outward manifestations to follow the Lord. We do this when we are baptized. To return is to reconcile. The only problem is Ruth and Orpah was never in Bethlehem. But outward commitment does not mean interchange. Naomi laid the cards on the table in verse 11. And Naomi said, turn again, or like the new King James says, go back. My daughters, why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? In other words, what she's saying in the spiritual context is to consider the cost of commitment. There may be many sacrifices in Bethlehem, there may be a life of singleness. You may not get married again. Naomi drove a hard bargain. And some of you, when you enter the Christian life, single, automatically you think God's going to give you a husband or a wife. Doesn't always work like that. As a matter of fact, some people come to the church looking for a spouse. That is dangerous. You better watch out for that. It has happened here. I warn you. Consider the cost. Verse 12. Turn back. Go back, my daughters. Go your way. We understand this morally. But spiritually, it doesn't make sense. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope. If I should have a husband also tonight. No, that wasn't possible. I should also bear sons. Would you wait for them? No, there are two ways 
to look at Naomi's advice. The phrase turn again, I said, means go back. In the moral sense, Naomi is wrong in counseling these women to go back to their heathen gods. It is contrary to Deuteronomy 23, 15. I read that to you. Twice she called on them to go back to Moab. But in the spiritual sense, the gospel calls men to consider the cost. Think about it carefully. Consider the cost of your, of your commitment. Turn again, my daughters. Think about the cost of discipleship. Think about it. The Lord said, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish all who see begin to mock. When they heard these two girls, the sacrifice or the sacrifices attached to Bethlehem, to leaving Moab, one went back and the other held fast. This is this church today. Two is no accident. And they lifted up their voice and wept again an awkward kiss her mother-in-law. But Ruth clave unto her. These two widows can be likened to professing Christians under the gospel. There will be a divide. As a matter of fact, there is a divide. Oprah and Ruth were on the way. But Oprah went back her gods to the world and you can be in the church and still in the world the restrictions of covenant life in the home of Naomi were too much for her Ruth on the other hand loved them she learned about gleaning Oprah loved the world and the things in the world, just like some of you. Brethren, is this not how it is with many professors of religion today? But we see the positive side of this outward commitment. Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Whenever the gospel is presented in a form such as this, there will be two responses. The gospel of Jesus Christ calls for forsaking the old life and cleaving to Christ. I preach nothing less than that message. Not many are willing to make this sacrifice when Paul presented the gospel at Mars Hill, we are told, and when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, we will hear you again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them. Howbeit, certain men claimed, same word, unto him, and believe. We are thankful for the few that are cleaving to Christ. The same word cleave is used in Ruth 1.14. It's the word that God uses to describe the union that exists between a man and his wife. For the man shall leave father and mother and be cleave to his wife. Some of us make a mockery of the marriage union. 
It was not Naomi that Ruth was cleaving to. It was the God of Israel whom she was seeking. These are our first two observations in the natural layout. One, the human rationale. Logical reasoning with God. I can't do this. I can't do that because. You see one man come out of prison. And he see mud. It had just rained. Another one came out the same prison. And he saw the sun. Second, outward confession made. One was not real. When counting the cost, it was easier to serve Moab. It was easier to serve their gods. No restrictions. Come when you want, go when you want, do what you want. Three, true confession. This is our stated subject, 15 through 17. She said, behold, notice Naomi is still pressing the issue. And it only goes to show that God is in control. God is the one who creates an interest. God is the one who draws. God is the one who saves. Left for you and me, you would race away people from coming to Christ. That's our nature and how we behave. Behold, your sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Go back thou after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. These are beautiful words. But at times when they are quoted, people leave out the last phrase, and thy God my God. They leave out this. The heathen would quote these words, but would leave out the most important. Ruth's confession was passionate and determined. She was not pressured by the decision of her sister, like some of us are pressured by the world and by our peers. We don't want Christ because we would look bad to our unconverted friends. Take a lesson from her. She was not peer pressured by her sister. It was passionate. True confession always go against the odds, does not follow the trend. Sometimes you may be the only one in the office, on the job, in the classroom, in the church, that have a true confession. Observe some things about this true confession that matches the confession of a true child of God. First, Ruth desired a new destination. Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. It's something like what one of the apostles said. Why can't we come? Why can't we follow you? Jesus said, you know the way. The way was the cross. Naomi was going to Bethlehem. This is the destination Ruth was seeking. The words are similar to our Lord's. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. When a person truly confesses Jesus as Savior, what they're saying is that they are willing to suffer with him. His destination was a cross. 
Not too much of that is taught today. Ruth's true confession of faith meant a second thing, that she would identify with a new people. Goodbye, Moabites. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you are still running with the herd. You think it is an easy message when you open the gospel? I read books. One guy can only see the historical and the moral. That's all he sees. Got six degrees. You better dig deep in the Word of God if you want to find the gospel. She wants to identify with a new people. Hear what the text says: "Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people." And today, many Christians, many people in this church, have given this church a black eye. They can go as far as I am concerned. I love the church. I would die for this church. And some of you may know that. But some of you who is willing to give this church a black eye, loose lips, sink ships. Naomi's people were covenant people. Ruth had a taste of covenant life in Moab. She had a taste of it. it Short-lived. Peter said of Christians today, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy, 1 Peter 2.10. Ruth became the second heathen Gentile woman to migrate to Bethlehem. The other was Rahab in Joshua 6. Both of them appear in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, along with three others. Three other heathen ones, too. God had ever intended to save all races in the world. Here you see one coming in. That's why we have missions. For God so loved the world. Romans 9 picked up on the prophecy of Hosea saying, As he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people. And I will call her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, You are not my people, there shall be called the children of the living God. Think of you and me. We're not a people, heathen by nature. Some of us have come to know the God of Israel, the God of Abraham. I wish this for all of you. <laughs> Ruth was a heathen enemy of God, but her confession is one that desires a new destination, a relationship with a new people, but finally that she will serve the true God. Notice the last sentence, and thy God, my God. According to commentator John Gill, and I quote, Ruth will serve the true God and not Chemosh, nor Baalpur, nor other gods of the Moabites, be they what they will, but Jehovah, the God of Naomi and of the people of Israel. So a soul that is truly brought to Christ affectionately loves him and heartily cleaves to him resolves in the strength of divine grace to follow him. End of quote. John Gill. Naomi's God was the God of Abraham. That's the God Ruth was seeking. The God of Isaac, 
the covenant God, God of Jacob. Moab's gods were wood and stone. Let me ask you, is your confession of faith real? Is it real? Is it real? One that seeks a new destination? The apostle says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example from any walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. Is your confession real? I would like to know. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we are looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Ruth was looking for. He said, but he was so many years away. But read again and read the genealogy. Read how Ruth ends. And Obed beget David. And David begat the Christ. Could I ask you again if your confession is one that identifies with a new people? A people who speaks a new language, the language of grace? A people who has a new diet? A people that follows the Lord and no longer is running with the world, or as Peter said, rioting in the daytime. Brethren, these are heavy truths to extract from history. So this is our exposition of Ruth chapter 1, verses 6 to 17 the human rationale, logical way of thinking through things when it comes to God, seeing the hindrances in the way. My friend, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. Key individual in Ruth, the book of Ruth, is Christ and his work. We saw an outward commitment from both widows who were on the way. They said they would go. One was a superficial commitment. And there are many superficial commitments in our church. No teeth to their words. No commitment. No step of faith. Wonderfully, we saw a true confession by Ruth. It was one that abandoned the life of the world, the deities of the land. Ruth's confession was one that cast lot with the God of Israel and the people of God. That's where I will die. And notice she says, not where I be cremated, where you be buried. It was one that sought a new dwelling place. What is the message that you and I can draw from the narrative, the historical narrative that is relative? Well, I'll tell you quickly. One, the gospel calls us to decision. You hear what I say, sweetheart? The gospel calls everyone to decision. I am not inferring an altar call. We don't do that. Or signing a decision card. I believe we have moved from beyond this stage. The altar call comes from God, not from men. When God calls inwardly, no man can, ref can refuse. As we see with Ruth, 
His grace is irresistible. The gospel of Christ calls to decision. He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him that sent me. Naomi was calling these two widows to decision, no matter how, so, how rough she sounded, no matter how rational she sounded. They were called to decision. The gods of Moab or the gods, the God of heaven, the true God. It was somewhat like Joshua Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers serve on the other side of the flood and of Egypt. And serve you, the Lord. It was similar to that. It was similar to what Elijah said to those false prophets in Israel that were worshiping Baal in 1 Kings 18. How long will you halt between two opinions. If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Our gospel, my gospel today, calls you to decision. I don't care how small you are. You could be in a nursery or you could be in the Sunday school. The gospel calls you to decision. And if a Sunday school teacher in teaching you that, he's a bad teacher. No one can plead ignorant, having heard the gospel once. The Ninevites heard it once, and they repented. This is our first important line in application, suited for us. Two, the gospel will divide us. It is not the preacher. When they go from here, it's not the preacher. Poor preacher ain't even know what's going on. The gospel will divide us right down the line. This is what we saw in our narrative. Ruth and Ophir were sisters in Moab. They started on the way. They lived together. But the gospel calls them to part ways. Is this how it is? You better believe it. I had a lot of friends. A lot. Where are they now? They don't want to see me. They call me preacher. <laughs> Go to Barbados, play the rum shop. Hey, <laughs> the preacher. The stigma of the gospel. The cross will split friendships. The gospel divides families in the home. It will divide friends. It is the gospel that will divide churches. It's not preachers who divides. Preachers are but servants of the gospel. That's what divides us. The servant who preaches the gospel and calls men, women, boys, and girls to faithfulness. That's what divides us, Jackie. It is sad. That's what it is. It's far for the course. Well, some of you understand. Some of you have been encouraging me in my, in my frailty. My mortality. I want to be useful to you. You think I'm here for my strength? You think I'm here because I want to be here? I could be in Florida right now, in Sarasota. Sorry. Come on. The cross. Remember the words of Jesus. Don't think that I come to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. 
or have come to set a man against his father, daughter against her mother, and her daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Hey, we see this in Ruth. Man's foes should be from his church. The sword that divides men is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the word of God that divides us. For indeed, it is quick and sharper than a two-edged sword, which cuts and divides asunder. The Lord went on to say that a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Can you imagine that? Are some of you afraid to talk because you don't want to be on the losing side of society. Let me tell you, God will reject you on the day of his wrath. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who do not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy. The gospel divides us. Today it is quite cheap to be a Christian, to say I'm a Christian. I don't even know what I mean now. Churches have lowered the bar, moved the finish line, and the enemy has joined up. I don't even listen to people today who say they're Christian. The gospel calls us to decision. The gospel will divide us. Lastly, the gospel of Jesus Christ distinguishes true worshipers from false worshipers. The gospel. I'm speaking of the gospel of grace, not the gospel of grace plus works. Not that gospel. Everybody's on the board with that. The gospel of Christ distinguishes true from false worshipers. Orpah was a false worshiper. How do we know? She went out of the way. She went back to Moab. Ruth became a true worshiper. She went to Bethlehem. Naomi said, your sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Go back with your sister-in-law. Who says, no, I'm not doing it, mama. She would have none of it. Savior was calling her internally. You can't beat an internal conviction. You'll die for it. Some of you ain't got no guts to stand. You'll die for what you believe. You'll stand up to the tallest giant like David did. No guts. Today, it is the gospel that distinguishes a true worshiper from a false worshiper. Today, many desires a gospel that can afford them the luxuries and the pleasures of the world, and the pastors accommodate them. So walk away from this place today with these words. If you hear anything, make sure you heard the latter part. The true gospel tells us a cross. Jesus, I, my cross, have taken. Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. 
when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? For the Father seeks those to worship him. Ruth worshiped God because the Father sought her. This is the message of Ruth 1, 7 through 16. This it this is what makes Ruth relevant to the church today. So it is true that Ruth is a love story, not between a woman and a man, but between Christ and his church, his people. We love him because he first loved us. When we were in the dumps and the mud, he was drawing us like this one. If he didn't first love us, we could not love him. And we would not love him if he did not love us. Whatever happened to Orpah, no one knows. Nothing more is said of her. Nothing more need to be said of her that she was a worshiper of false gods. Everything is said about Ruth all the way in Matthew chapter 1. You can read of her. What will happen to you? What would be said of you? It's all wonderful to talk about Ruth, but what about you? Where would you end up without Christ? I'll tell you, under the wrath of God. Where would you end up with Christ? Your name would be written in heaven. May God be pleased to bless his word. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the time you have given us and the strength during the time. And we pray that you will bless your word. Anything that was said amiss, we ask your forgiveness. We, we didn't mean to trample on your word. However, because we are men, we cannot say everything correct. But we pray for forgiveness. But bless the truths and rivet them on the hearts of the ungodly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.